0: Top, yeah, I think the first out the way. How do I properly pronounce your name? I don't want to butcher this. Oh yeah, it's, it's sh- you can just pronounce it Ena,
1: Ena, Yeah, 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 Ena is fine.
0: Okay, and then, sh- but
1: I, if I was gonna say your
0: name, how would I say?
1: Oh, it's Enahoro Asane. Enahoro
0: Asane.
1: Yeah, that's perfect.
0: Oh shit, son! I'm not gonna say it again just in case I fuck it up. Now I gotta <laughs> leave it alone. <laughs> that was a one shot, one kill right there.
1: Well, you've got to say it's on the IPF world stage eventually, so. That's, hey, yeah.
0: Oh, nicely. Nicely done. I love it. True. Uh, In in all truth, when I'm on, like, doing the IPF world commentary, I, uh, like, some people like, wow, man, you're pretty good with, like, a lot. Like, there are names, like, obviously from all over the world. world championships, right? But they're, they're like, how do you know, like, how to do a, a Japanese guy's name and then, like, all over the world? And, um. I'm like, dog, I don't, I don't, I have to go out back with like a pad and a pen. And I'm like, how do I say your name? And I'll spell it the way I would pronunciate it. And I'll say it over, like, am I saying it right? And I'll say it over and over to the person, guy, woman. And, um, and then I got it right. I'm like, thank you. Cool. And so I'll have to write it like that. And before I was back there, um, I forget who it was now, but I was writing up the person's name. Like, how do I say your name? And they told me. And I'm writing out this person's name. And they, they look over, because they want to see, like, what are you writing about me? Because they, they, like, who knows what I'm going to Are you taking notes on me? Going to go to the booth and yeah. talk? So he looks and he's like, no, 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 no. He sees how I'm writing his name. And obviously, I'm not writing it how it's spelled. I'm writing it how I would say it for me yeah. later. And I'm like, no, no, I'm writing it. I'm trying to explain to him, but he doesn't speak good English. So he's like, no, no. I'm like, no, I'm writing it so I can say it. And he goes, no, 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 are you commentator? commentator. I'm like, yeah, I'm, comment- I'm the commentator. Oh no, no. And he, so now he really wants to make sure I got it right. And I'm like, yeah, bro, <laughs> I gotta tell him like five times. I'm gonna get to the right. <laughs> bro, Bro, literally at one point, I just fucking wrote it the way it was spelt so he would leave me alone and <laughs> just so he had peace of mind. And I'll walk away and like, I am just gonna call him the gentleman from Lithuania now because I I couldn't get it done. Man. I'm doing my research, bro. Help me help you. But uh, but anyways, when I was saying enohoro to myself, I thought it sounded like a Japanese dude's name. Enohoro. That's what I pictured. The Japanese gentleman. Not even, <laughs> not even closer, but where is Enohoro from? Oh, I'm from Nigeria and I moved
1: here in 2016. Yeah, 2016 for studies. And that's where I've been from Nigeria to Hungary and I'm here now.
0: In And um, when you say here, here is Hungary. Yeah, yeah, in Hungary, yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Nigeria. I, I, um, because we were talking a little bit in the DMs. We, we go back and forth in DMs sometimes. Yeah. and um, You were saying how you haven't been powerlifting that long. You haven't been weightlifting that long. And I seen a picture of you, my friend, from like not long ago, and you, you weren't bodied up. I put it this way. Someone could trust their girl around you. Okay, <laughs> someone could trust you. You, you, you were, if this romantic a movie, you'd be the best friend. You wouldn't be the leading man. But now (laughs) you transformed from the best friend to the leading man in like two years, man. Like you had a crazy transformation. Um, So how is it like, first off, in Nigeria, is there a lot of weightlifting?
1: Uh, Not really. So it's not so much. So it's always weird whenever I have to go back home and it's really difficult to find a gym. I have to drive like... 45 minutes to the gym just to find somewhere to train with fairly good equipment. And like the last time I was back home, it was, I was deadlifting about 280, and the guy was like, Please, 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 we don't want that. Could you stop that? You could destroy our bars. (laughs) So, so it's not so crazy back home with powerlifting or weightlifting.
0: No, so I am. So I saw like, I'm into like MMA and boxing and whatnot. And I saw oh, yeah. a documentary about uh, like this one guy, Frank gorilla was going all over the world looking at different combat sports. And he was in Nigeria and um, he was talking to a couple of guys who do like a wrestling and there was like some striking vote with the wrestling, But the point is the guys he was talking to were freaking insanely jacked. And I mean, like you, if, if you didn't tell me, I would think they're like in the NFL, football, like extremely athletic, super jacked up dudes. So he's talking to them and he's like, how often do you guys weightlift? Like I see you guys doing the the fight training, a lot of wrestling, a lot of grappling. That's good. How often, how many hours a day do you guys spend in the gym? And the guys were like, Oh, we, we don't train in the gym. And he's like, what (laughs) what are you talking about? You, you, you guys are freaks, but you guys just walk around like this. And he's like, yeah. And these dudes I'm telling you were like, Extremely jacked, and it, it blew my mind. Like, is this just obviously now we're seeing some other athletes coming out of Nigeria, like Israel Adesanya? Again, I'm a big fight fan. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a frig, me. there's more than that, but uh, oh, um, Kamar Usman, oh, yeah. yeah. what's that? Kamar yeah. Usman, that's right. You know, I think it's yeah, I, yeah, I know him. It's amazing that you, uh. You said the 84s, like the kilos, when we call them the one, 185, like the, the pounds. But um, when you say you know him, you don't know him, know him, right? You know of him. No, no, I don't know him. I know of him. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, yeah. dude, dude, this whole podcast is gonna change on a dime if you know him personally. We are never gonna get off this topic. But um, but yeah, no, there, there's a, a lot of athletically gifted, people in Nigeria. And um, Israel Adesanya talks about it in like uh, in a couple of those interviews, he's like, listen to me, like there's gonna be, if there's a pipeline that comes out of Nigeria in terms of the athletes and they start coming out into these pro sports, you'll see how gifted some of these people are. And, and Data White's like, yeah, we, we're gonna, they're gonna open up like a training facility to scout, start scouting people. So what kind of sports are, are active in Nigeria? <laughs> what, what do people play?
1: Uh, so it's mostly soccer, just soccer, basketball, uh, mostly those two, so <laughs> it's not really strength sports and yeah,
0: yeah, mostly just soccer and basketball, so yeah. Do they watch sports like other sports big or is it just mostly watching? Soccer
1: oh, as well? oh, soccer is big, like it's like really big. Especially doing like the World Cups and with the English teams. So it's like away from North America. But soccer is really big and basketball is uh, fairly big. And yeah, we don't really deal with American football and all those.
0: No way. (laughs) American football is not big outside of North America. It's big in Canada, but... Outside of North America, man, it just is not. I don't know what it is. It's like a, it's like a religion in the southern states. But you, for some reason, they just cannot get much momentum outside of the U.S. and Canada. But uh, it kind of is what it is, my man. So when you were, so when you were in Nigeria growing up, like what was life like? What's it like in Nigeria? Oh well it's really warm first of all
1: so <laughs> yeah. like right now it's like zero degrees and I'm just like I don't really want to deal with this please <laughs> and I would say I I had a fairly good life so I wasn't doing so badly so I was fairly well to do and that was a really good side so I have a different perspective on things and Growing up, I had friends who were like also well to do, so I didn't really I don't really have the perspective on the less fortunate side of things. but growing up there has been, was fun. I still definitely love my friends back home. I'm sure mm-hmm. some of them are gonna be listening. So it was really interesting growing up and I had fun basically and. Like you said, I was the fat, funny kid of my class and always cracked the jokes.
0: You know, and, it's, yeah, well, I mean, your Instagram kind of reflects that. Cause you, oh, you, your Instagram is like more memes than it is even lifting, despite you being a crazy good lifter. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it's, I guess the comedy was kind of a cope, I would say, mm-hmm. cause then because you had to do something to stand out. And I wasn't the athletic kid. And so I guess I was going to be the funny kid.
0: It's so wild that you weren't the athletic kid. <laughs> yeah, it's because every
1: time I listen to the podcast and everyone talks about being athletic, and I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. And yeah, people saying that the best athletes come from team sports. And I'm like, oh, cool. Would have been cool to be part of the team sports. I don't know how that feels. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, like I also said, it's probably kind of genetic, but I can't really tell because no one in my close family was is really athletic right now. So I really
0: don't know where it comes from. Like when you so were younger... Were you interested in the sports and tried them, but di- didn't do well in them, or were you just not even that interested in them?
1: I was interested, like every kid. I did, I mostly did it to hang out with friends and the company and all that. Uh, I played soccer, but I was I played. I wasn't really good. I was just bad at it, but I still played it because it was fun. Uh, I've tried basketball tried volleyball. Uh, I think I've tried, okay. I've tried tennis, tried badminton, and I, I was just bad at them. So honestly, I'm
0: <laughs> You know, it's, it's it's crazy. Like, I know what you, I, I remember like some people will say like, uh, you know, so-and-so is not good at sports. They're not athletic. But the word athletic, what does that mean? Like. You're explosive. You could jump high. You could run fast. But strength is a component. Like your, if if somebody before when you were a kid were like, man, he's not a sportsman. This guy is not going. He's not an athlete. They have no idea. Your 350 kilo deadlift, which we'll get to in a minute. Well, later on in a minute, we got do our timeline here, but you did something that no other 83 kilo lifter has ever done. And a few years ago would have been considered like inconceivable. That's, that's, that's like the type of weight that guys in deadlift suits wouldn't be hitting in your weight class. Like what you're capable of doing physically is phenomenal. And I mean, that's a that's a good weight. That's a good weight to deadlift when you're 120, let alone 83 kilo. <laughs> and people would have thought when you were a kid, you know, and even like high school, whatever. Oh, this guy doesn't, he's not athletic. Isn't that wild, yeah, I man? You know how you can't, and you would have, did you actually think to yourself, yeah, man, sports isn't my thing?
1: <clears throat> oh, I think I did. Uh, I never saw myself becoming an athlete, honestly. <laughs> so it looked kind of wild to me. Uh, I only started going to the gym just to lose weight and like It's so funny because I was so committed to losing weight as a New Year's resolution. I I walked into the gym on the New Year's Eve, and I paid for the membership, and I walked out, and I'm going to come back the next day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm starting the New Year. By dude, dude, it's like, dude, dude, it's like, where are you going? You're like, nah, tomorrow, man. Tomorrow. Yeah, and then usually, usually people say, like, it's always tomorrow, bro. Start now. You drove here, you got here, you're like, nah, nah, that but it's I'm a new year's resolution. And you know the funny thing, people do memes saying, like, um, when they talk about New Year's resolution people co- showing up at the gym, and it's like, be oh, nice, yeah. be nice to these people. It, you know, they're they're trying to do their thing, and some people put up memes trying to be tough, like, you know, listen, you new year's resolutioners. This is the squat rack. This is why I do business. This is not where you blah, blah, blah. And it's like, listen, man, this one new year's resolution I know, like a year later was like smashing weights. So, you know, like your progress is insanely quick. Talk about a resolution um, and turning it around. But uh, yeah, that's wild. But this would have been in Hungary. You were already in Hungary by this time, right?
1: Oh yeah, that was in 2017.
0: Yeah, man, time moves fast. Like just, just for perspective in Nigeria, cause I did a little bit of background. It has over 200 million people. It's like the seventh yeah. most populated country in the world. Um, yeah. Majority fractions between Muslim and Christian are the two prominent religions. Um, yeah. English is actually the, I don't know if it's the most spoken, but it's the, the official yeah, national, language. Yeah. It's the national official language, yeah. See, man, I did a little research, didn't I, Playboy? Huh? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I came. I came ready. So, how many languages do you speak? Speak because can you get by with just English in Hungary?
1: Yeah, I can just. Yeah, my Hungarian isn't good at all. Okay. Uh, so I must just speak English. That's the most popular language I speak. So yeah, besides my native language, but English is
0: mainly how, how I communicate every day. So, how did you end up? Going to Hungary, like choosing Hungary of all places, it seems a little bit random. Is there is there like a lot of people coming from Nigeria to Hungary? Yeah, I think there's there are a lot of people coming to Europe.
1: Uh, so I think it's mostly because the North American schools are saturated. Uh, I like the UK, also fairly saturated and I was I just needed a place to chill. Budapest was a nice city and I came here
0: to chill. So, uh, And why Hungary of all the places in Europe? Is there any ties to Hungary or were you just, or was uh, it just a particular school? It was just
1: the school. Yeah. There was no ties. I just left home at
0: 16 and came to Hungary. Dude, at 16, you didn't you just leave home, my brother. That's what people do when they like move a city away and party with their friends. You left not even the country, you left the continent. Like you were gone. You were out. Did you move with anyone else? Huh? Did you leave with anyone else? Did someone else come with you or just by yourself? Uh, Just with
1: friends, so no family, just some friends from Nigeria, some people I knew, so they weren't technically friends, they were more like acquaintances. Uh, so basically I've had to make a new life here, which hasn't been the easiest, but has also been fun.
0: So, so I, mean, I can't imagine how different Hungary is than Nigeria and you at 16 with no family, you got a couple of friends, that's cool. But like, man, they're, if they're your age. That's not really, that's like the blind leading the blind. Look at when I was 16, I don't know if I, I was I should not have been alone, like, like living alone. It would be, it would be disgusting. But um, if you drop me in with just a group of 16 year olds, like how did you, first off, you were you super nervous moving to a whole nother country? <laughs> not really, honestly. How- What? This is crazy. It's so different, though, is it not? It is, but like I had,
1: like most of the people I moved here with were about 20. So I was basically rolling with the older crew, which was good for me because I didn't make some of the mistakes I could have made. Mm. Uh, I guess I just had to force myself to go out and... I was also a shy guy before I came. So I was basically the fat shy guy. And I had to build that confidence. so Dude. So it's the, been a long ride. And the
0: fat shy guy, you were the best friend in every rom-com movie, romantic comedy movie. That is. Exactly. But so did you say there was 20 of you that came over? Oh no, like
1: I said, they were 20 years old. So the average oh, age. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. How so many? Basically older than me. How many? Okay, that helps. That definitely helps because yeah. they were like, "You're 20." It's a whole different level of when you're all like, 15, 16. <laughs> that's that's a bit of a shit show. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's trouble. I think your parents would be like, "Oh my god." But 20s, uh, <coughs> 20s, uh, it's better. It's definitely better if 20 year olds are all around. Um, and how many people from Nigeria that were like friends and at least acquaintances, acquaintances came over? With you? Uh,
1: so it was, so I think about 40 of us left Nigeria on the same day. Uh, so it was basically just the same flight to Hungary of students coming to start. No, I was basically close with like two. Uh, so I came here with two friends, uh,
0: and I had to build from there, which, (laughs) I have to build from there. <laughs> hey man, let, let me tell you something. You don't need a certain number of friends. You just need a number of friends you're certain of. You got two people. You got two boys in your crew. Yeah. That's it. That's all I need sometimes, man. You give me two fellas I'm sure of, we're good. You drop us at a party or whatever, we'll be fine. We'll we'll make friends. We'll we'll get by. You know what I mean? But how about some of those other people? Did you become did you become closer to some of those people you weren't closer with? Or okay, no. I was close
1: to. I was close to maybe two more, so a total of four. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: I guess some of them would see me now. I wouldn't even recognize me, which is crazy to think about. Because I guess I've really changed since then. And
0: how uh, so? How do you think you've changed since then, in terms of like not just appearance, but in terms of who you are. <laughs> I guess I've been like
1: more confident and willing to speak up more Uh, so I had to learn how to approach people and which is something you really need when you're moving to a country alone and you have to make friends and you have to to survive Mm -hmm. so I would say my personality has definitely become more exciting. Uh, I hope, (laughs) uh, yeah. And I've been more confident and more comfortable
0: in my skin. So that's been nice. It's, it's, it is like the more you do things you're afraid to do, the more confidence you build, like the more, the more times you put yourself in a situation, you're nervous to put yourself in, you're going to grow. Like you're going to personally grow, but the more you stay inside your bubble, the more you're just playing it safe and and you're not going to grow. Right. And you through yourself out there, like in the biggest of ways where you're like, I have to meet people. I don't know nobody. I have to yeah. like find common ground with people when you're forced to, it's kind of like, it, there's, there's also some good where it's a clean slate. <laughs> nobody had, nobody knows you. So no one has like background on you. You start fresh, which yeah, is good. And bad. True. It's good and bad because they don't know you. And they might be lazy to even try to get to know you. They might be like, yeah, whatever, you're not my crew. You're like, you're the new guy, I, yeah, I, you have I'm, to like, I'm settled,
1: right? Yeah, you have to get into the new circle and it's nobody wants a new friend in the circle, which is, <laughs> yeah. so you have to, yeah, it's really tough, but
0: I guess I survived. You survived, my friend. So when you when you <laughs> got to the gym and you started lifting weights, did anybody else go with you, that, like of your friends, or someone else you are training with? Oh. <laughs> no no it's basically
1: i guess i'm kind of individualistic so i just i was like okay i'm just going to the gym and i'm starting uh just kept working out alone chugging along no trainer just using online programs and for about six months or thereabouts before i got my first coach so I have to really push myself, which, which fair credits to myself, I guess.
0: But. And initially, what kind of stuff were you doing in the gym
1: when you are by yourself? Oh, just, oh, yeah, you know, the regular bodybuilding stuff. You go in, do arms, chest. I actually did skip legs, so that was good. You uh, did? You skipped <laughs> legs? I didn't. I didn't. Oh,
0: you didn't. OK,
1: cool. Yeah. So that really helped my sumo deadlift, so. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and I think it was about the six months mark when I first got interested in powerlifting. Uh, I met my first coach, Petty. Yeah, he was squatting about 170 and I was like, oof, that's a lot of weight. <laughs> and that was how I got my first interest into powerlifting.
0: So he, well, first <laughs> off, initially when you started lifting weights, before you got into powerlifting, how quickly did you start turning things around in terms of like physically speaking?
1: Oh, I think by the two months, Mark, I was like fairly more comfortable in my skin. Uh, I was feeling jacked.
0: Like I you were getting jacked. were you were you gaining muscle rather quickly?
1: I guess so. Yeah. I was kind of proud of myself, but looking back now, it's that wasn't really much, but I was proud of myself by the two months mark.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. So and this guy that you met, um, you met him in person, <clears throat> or this was this was in person or online you had found him and seen? Oh, I met him in person. Okay. Because and before how, then I was
1: So you go ahead. Oh, oh, before then I was always I always saw powerlifters as you know, the chubby guys with the huge belts and the hoodies. And the gallon walking around the gym, and that's how I had I imagined powerlifters in my head from the internet, basically. And I think it was the first powerlifter I met in person. Mm. So he really changed my view on powerlifting.
0: So you, at the time when you when you first approached them, had you like you wouldn't know who you know Russell or he or like uh, Brett Gibbs or like Taylor Atwood? You wouldn't no, know any of these guys.
1: No, I didn't.
0: Oh, wow. So so I guess, yeah, you just (laughs) had an idea in your head, almost like the super heavyweight Olympic lifters you'd see in the Olympics where they're super large gentlemen, like you thought basically powerlifting was like that. Yeah. And how big is this guy? What does this guy look like that you came across in in Hungary? I was
1: competing in the 93s then. Uh, it was a huge guy, so it wasn't... But it wasn't like super heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it was basically in trays and not so huge. And I think it was more the weight it was lifting that really moved me. Cause then 170 was like a turn in my eyes.
0: Really? You had like no was, what you were capable of, which is crazy. Like you Yeah. It's, that's like bench press weight for you, my friend. Like you'll be you'll be, but um so. How did you just approach him and say, hey, man? Oh, yeah, I think uh, I approached him and
1: I was like, cool. This looks cool. What do you do? And he was like, okay, powerlifting. And I went home and I started maxing out every day.
0: You started what? every day, uh, maxing out? Yeah. And so you were, not he wasn't coaching you initially. You just asked him, what are you doing? Oh, no. And he just told you powerlifting yeah. and you're like, I'm gonna be a powerlifter, so you max out every every goddamn day. You're (laughs) like right, exactly. Did you do like research when you went home? Did you like Google powerlifting or look into it? Um, I
1: just googled it and I saw it was like squat, bench, deadlift, the one rep max. Uh, I think I saw the headline five by five, and I did a five by five max three times a week. Oh, so I just rolled with that for about, I think, a month uh, before he approached me and he was like, yeah, I would like to check you out. Let's have a session together. And I started with him and it's been smooth sailing since then. So,
0: Dude, he, he was probably like, my man. I've been watching you max out every day for the past month. <laughs> Let me help you. <laughs> he was, yeah. He's like, I need, he's probably going home, talking to his girlfriend like, I got to help this guy. This oh, guy. yeah, is a funny <laughs>
1: story. Like his girlfriend once saved me from like, I think it was a 50 kilo bench that pinned me down. And she was like, oh shit, I need to help him. How many kilos? 50. Five
0: zero? Yeah, that's about 10 pounds. You almost died. So it's so crazy that you almost died from a 50 kilo bench and a woman had to come over here and pull it off your chest, huffing and (laughs) puffing. Talk about humbling. Talk about humbling experience. What were you thinking at this point? Were you like... Like when you when you almost die from a 50 kilo a 50 kilo bench and and you could probably arm curl that now. And by the grace of God, some lady saved your life and you get up and you, you go into the washroom, you throw a little water in your face, and you look in the mirror. What are you telling yourself at this point? This is for me? Or you what are you thinking?
1: Oh, just like, okay, time to do deadlifts.
0: Slip <laughs> so doesn't face. Don't uh, no. get intimidated by things.
1: No, just nah.
0: Did Let's you keep think pushing. so? You, I mean, this must have been the same attitude. How you could, leave. <clears throat> for you to be able to leave Nigeria to another country at sixteen, like you gotta be, like, do things just not overly phase you, or is this just like a theme for you, where you like you just don't get phased very often? I think it's
1: like a personality of mine. I just, I just let things go as they go. Yeah. Uh, so
0: yeah. Dude, this is, this is, you You got to teach me, bro, because that's like the key to life. And for you to like, for you, for that to happen on the bench press and you're like, all right, thank you very much, by the way, I'm off to deadlifts. And you know, and it's like, what? And you're just like, whatever, you're like a 16 year old kid or whatever. Um, yeah, it's wild. So at some point, so this gentleman comes forward and says, I'm gonna start training you. And he probably sees you, yeah, like you're maxing out. His wife saved your life on bench press. He's like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop in here. I'm going to help this guy out. Is he putting you on program? Is he showing you technical work? Is this really when you start for real learning? And how quickly after that did the numbers start going up?
1: Uh, uh, so I think after 12 weeks. So we started with the normal powerlifting program technique and start refining everything. I think by 12 weeks, I had about a 220 kilo deadlift, which was quite good for 12 weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Squat was about 160 or so. Uh, I can't remember bench. My bench has just been poverty bench, so.
0: Anybody? Hey don't you don't even gotta tell me about it. I don't like to talk about bench either. When someone asks my numbers, I always forget my numbers as well. I'm with you. I'm with you, but I don't got your deadlift. So that there yeah, it is, when you first started, did you think to yourself, like, did you have ambitions of winning titles, breaking records, and did you think, did you set goals, or were you just like, it's fun? You weren't overly thinking about it beyond that. Also, I always knew.
1: I think when I hit 240 kilos on the deadlift, that was when I was first considering going for the deadlift record someday. Uh, I think then it was about 320. And when Yu Yuu hit the 340, I was like, okay, I'm never getting the deadlift record again.
0: I'm done. <laughs> You were like, you were hopeful until <laughs> Sith Lord Ren emerged um, and, and hit that. It was, so you, that was what Nash, that was the U.S. Raw Nationals. And I wanna say yeah. that would have been like the year you started, like 2017, I think, right? Was it that year, 2017 or 2018? I year? think 2018. Was it? Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause I remember um, like the biggest ego on my face, we had a preview show. With I had Joey Flex on and we did a preview f- show for the U.S. Raw Nationals. And I remember joking around, and, like totally like looking at the rankings going in and Yang Su Ren was like, like, this is Deadlift Panda for anybody listening, who, you, like you've seen him. And he was ranked really low. And I'm like, yeah, well, who knows? Anything can happen in sports, Yang Su Ren could deadlift like God knows what and jump up the rankings. Ha, ha, ha. Like, that was a funny joke though, cause he wasn't gonna do that. And then when the nationals rolled around, my man deadlifted like 340 kilo or whatever it was. And it was like, oh my oh my. Yeah, oh my, yeah. nobody see that coming. So you watch, did you watch that or did you, did you see it after the fact?
1: I think it was after the fact, yeah. I didn't watch that
0: live. Uh. So, so you were starting to be aware at that point though you were starting to follow people on social media and you were like aware of who's who by this point?
1: Oh yeah, I was following Russell from the start, uh, basically. Uh, Then I was like, okay, he's the king of the 83s. And I'm like, I'm never catching up. Uh, Just want to get the deadlift record and get this done with, but now I'm like, okay, we could play on the same field someday and we could battle it out someday, so.
0: Well, you're looking at these guys as a teenager. Like you're 20 now, but you were, like, you were a teenager. What? How long? When was your birthday? When did you turn 20? Uh, I
1: turned 20 in December, so I'm turning 21 in about 10 days or so.
0: So there you go. So not long ago, you were you were a teenager watching these guys do what they do. So it's hard to like, you know, these guys aren't like <clears throat> muscles in his prime. For sure, it's prime, right? Like he's got progress to go, but he's 100% enjoying his prime right now. As a teenager, it's hard to tell where you're going to end up. Like what's realistic? What's unrealistic? If you're thinking like, um, can I compete with these guys? Do I just have a deadlift record? Or is this all kind of in my head? What's your coach thinking at this point in time? Is he telling you that this is realistic goals?
1: He always believed me for my deadlifts and was like, Someday we are definitely going to get the world record on the deadlift. I don't think anyone expected it to be fast. It's still unofficial, so I don't know if it really counts. But we never expected it to be this fast. I also didn't expect it to be this fast. So, yeah.
0: What did you do to start increasing the deadlift like this? (laughs) How did this happen? Basically, how did (laughs) this happen? Because you went from a 240 deadlift, which is an 83, shouldn't put you on anybody's radar to a 350 kilo deadlift at 20 years old. You're just in your twenties, just in your twenties and hit a 350 kilo deadlift. We're looking at like, it wouldn't be at 771 pounds. It would be totally normal for me to say, I could see this guy deadlifting 800 plus pounds in his career. That's only 29 more pounds added on percentage wise, it's nothing and you're only 20. So absolutely, you could be deadlifting in competition, not with straps, not at home when you're just doing a deadlift day and you haven't squatted or benched or cut weight or anything. Absolutely, this is a target you could hit. I mean, the sky is the limit with you. I don't wanna get too much into that yet. We'll talk about that in a second, but what happened? Everyone's asking, I get DMs all the time be like, how did (laughs) this guy improve so quickly? What what exactly happened when you started? Like, how often are you deadlifting? Is it, you know, how did this come about?
1: That's really tough to answer because I switched coaches uh, last year. Uh, I don't know if you know him. He's called William Squats. Uh, He works under Joey, so William. So we switched. I switched coaches and. Before that, I had the 305 deadlifts, which isn't bad. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, that's not bad. You're right. That's an accurate <laughs> statement, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we've done a two day deadlift frequency. We've done one day and I don't know. Honestly, I really don't know. You should really ask him, not me, so <laughs> because he- I just follow the plan.
0: He works with Joey Flex? Yeah, William Squats. He works with Joey. Gotcha. So So how that happened, you contact uh, like Joey and Joey just assigned you to him or how did that work? Oh yeah. I
1: contacted Joey. uh, That was after the world's 2019. And Mm. he was like, I have a guy William. And I was like, okay, let's try this out. And the rest is history.
0: One year later,
1: we break the world record.
0: And did he not take you on himself just because he's like too too many people? Oh, yeah, I
1: think, like, obviously, it's Joey. He has a lot on his roster, so... And I was... And also, I was... I think he wanted to take me on, and he also told me he didn't have a lot of space, so he had to find the space for me, and I was like, I think I would prefer a coach that has more time uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I would need to change a lot of things uh, if I wanted to be the best because then my bench was wasn't really moving so I needed someone that would pay attention to that and that was why I was like okay I'm just I'm gonna go with William since you say you trust him and let's see how it goes
0: mm-hmm. and man did Joey <laughs> have no idea the guy that that he just Handed off to, to his, his buddy, <laughs> like it's in a way, I mean, if you end not have gone to the world championships, Joey's got Russell, it might be easier if you're with someone else anyways, to like, you know, prep you handle, there, there's like a little bit of separation between the two opposing athletes, which yeah. maybe in a way it worked out the way it was going to anyways. I mean, he's already got Russell, so he's gonna choose Russell if he had to choose. So whatever, it is what it is. But it is kind of one of those deals where you'd be like, ah, oh, damn, that's the guy I handed off. This guy is murdering some weights. Like, holy moly, when he came approaching me, he didn't have that. Um, at that point, like, so you competed in Sweden. What, how, did you, or, or, or no? Or did you not? No, I didn't. So it was just after you, what, did you watch the Worlds in Sweden? Yeah, I watched it.
1: I like, I, yeah, I watched most of it. Yeah.
0: And who are the people at this point in time that you were watching and paying attention to that were like your motivation?
1: On the men side, uh, I would say Russell, Gibbs, Sean. Uh, like, honestly, I wasn't really a fan of Sean at the beginning because I was always like, oh yeah, he cheats. And, but now I'm like, this man is really efficient, and it's really <laughs> crazy what he does. So I'm just like, I really look up to him. Uh, well, Taylor, obviously. Uh, I think that was most of it. And Christoph. Uh, Christoph Wojewski. Oh, Becky from Poland. Yeah, because he also had like the crazy deadlift, and I was like... Something I would like to take that away from the 93s.
0: My friend. Uh, yeah, Vrizbecki is, um, I think he's like a three or four time IPF world champion. And his Instagram handle is Mr. Deadlift. Yeah, He has got an absolute... He made a career, at least early on anyways. He left the IPF and I think, I don't know if he might be coming back. He might be. But he made a career out of pulling for the win. Whatever the win is, load the bar and he's pulling for it. And I mean, he was right down to the wire behind, you know, it it looked like he's going to lose, load the bar for the win. It's a massive jump, way bigger than anything he's ever pulled, pulls it, gets the win and he's the world champion all over again. Like that was the guy. So that was all, it it really would be, if you're going to fashion your, and he was a sumo puller as well. So if you're going to fashion yourself off anybody, it makes sense that you would look up to him because he kind of is, you guys are kind of like designed the same way in terms of how you catch up on things. And I think his squat was decent. The bench press was a little lower, but he has that monster deadlift, which is the ultimate equalizer, my friend.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: right. So, but at the time when you're when you start paying attention to everybody, um, and you're and you're you're obviously you got a good idea of of who's who at this point, is that right? Like, come this, is it really around yeah. 2019 that you started realizing who's who in the divisions, and you start setting goals and visualizing yourself being in the party?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, that was last year I was... Uh, then I still didn't see myself in the Open, honestly. I was still looking at the junior record, uh, looking at the junior world championships, and then my numbers were decent, not the best. So...
0: And, and what are your friends now thinking? At this point in time, when you're clearly completely transform your body, you're smashing big weights, and you got these plans. What are your friends in Hungary thinking? What it is like the family back home in Nigeria thinking? Oh yeah, my parents, I been they've been
1: really supportive but they were, at the start, they were always like, you're gonna snap something. And I was like, no, I'm not. Uh, my friends, I guess 240 looks like 300 to them. And at some point it was just, it's strong and he's the strongest guy we know. So it's, my progress didn't seem to make much of a difference, but I guess there was a threshold where they were like, okay, yeah, he's definitely strong. And after that, it was like,
0: okay, yeah, he's just strong. Uh, so. Yeah, there is a point where people who don't know, they can't, once you become like stronger than all of them, Past that point, they just don't have an appreciation for the difference between like a 290 kilo deadlift or a 350 kilo deadlift. For them, it's like they don't understand the levels to it, they're just like, Yeah, you're super strong like, no, again. Yeah. Like, if you told them I just put 50 kilo on my deadlift, they'd be like, Gotcha, okay. yeah. yeah, okay, that's cool, that's hey, that's great. And, and, and what about people at school now, now that you're now previously? you weren't the athletic guy. Previously, you're you're, you're a chubby dude who's like trying to tell jokes to make friends. You move from Nigeria to Hungary, don't know a lot of people. You're trying to find your way. You sign up to a gym as a New Year's resolutioner and fast forward, now you're jacked up, (coughs) and shifting all types of crazy weights. How different are people treating you now? I think it's honestly
1: better. I don't know how much my personality plays into that and how much the physical aspect plays into that. But I guess it's just one huge mix of uh, changing myself physically and also changing the way I act uh, because there was definitely some newfound confidence with being stronger. And over time, I've getting more compliments and uh, been noticed more. Uh, <laughs> so,
0: so by who By who young man? Who's noticing you? <laughs> well, everyone. Ah Well this is true though. <laughs> like it is true though where like you you start, you start packing muscles you start shifting around weights. everybody's really gonna be start paying attention now. Even online and and like things start, the world becomes a different place. I mean, you're doing historic things, so it makes sense. But still, it is, it's got to be a little different now where people from the U.S. now are like, hey, who the hell is this guy? You kind of came for some people. You came out of nowhere. Now, for me, I've been posting you on King of List. I seen you coming and we've been talking in the DMs and you had told me at Mm -hmm. one point, you're like, um because there's a third bit like angela angelo fortino um over in the u.s did like a i forget exactly 340. yeah yeah. uh, deadlift at the arnold and it was like just a a phenomenal deadlift obviously yang su ren he's still around hasn't competed in a bit he's gained a little bit of weight but i think he's going to come back he said he's around 195 pounds which is like i'm not sure exactly the kilo conversion but he's strained a little bit, but he's going to come back down. I think, I think he's coming to 83 again at some point, but people were, didn't really know. They didn't see you coming because over in Hungary, look, Hungary isn't necessarily a powerlifting nation. You know, there's not a lot of big Hungarian stars in terms of powerlifting. Um, and, and you're, we'd repost you on King of lifts, but it wasn't like your Instagram was blowing up yet. Like people weren't looking yet. Cause a lot of people yeah. have big deadlifts. Right. Yeah. You, had, you had told me leading up to this competition, you said, they're going to talk about me. This is going to be, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, not word for word, but you're like, <laughs> I'm going to show people. This is the one. It's going to happen. I'm like, go get him, Go get him. And you posted a post. You were like dancing to some music. and <laughs> um, And you were like, this is the guy that's going to break the world record. And, and you were like, Jim, it just I, I mean, you weren't dancing like a b-boy. You were dancing to like some whatever, singing music. And you were like, I know. I know what it looks like, but this is the guy that's going to break the world record. So you started getting more confident by this time. You weren't like the, I mean, I'm sure you were still shy, but you were definitely getting more and more confident in, in this point. At what point did you start thinking, this is real? I'm going, like, did you have it in your mind you were gonna go for the world record, unofficial world record? Uh, Yes, I kind of
1: had that in mind. Uh, So I used to be really humble. Uh, Then I used to just go up to competitions and I was always like, whatever happens, happens. Uh, And I think it was before this last competition, I was really a bit more cocky because I kind of really needed that to be more confident and to really show up and put my mind to it. So now I'm, I'm not. I don't know if it's really positive, but I'm not as humble as before. So now I go in to win, not to just to check. Now I just go in, just beating anyone I come first. So yeah, and. I think it was about the beginning of the year that I kind of saw it possible of shooting for the world record. And it was really nice to get that. Uh, So initially I was hoping to do that at the University World Championships in July. Mm. But obviously because of COVID, that was canceled, so.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a shame, man, because I mean, everyone knows what you did. It is official. It's not like it was in the gym. It's an official lift. So you, it's even if it's not officially recognized by the IPF, you still officially have a lift that is the biggest lift we've ever seen in 83 kilo history, period. It's the biggest feat of strength we've ever seen in 80 kilo in, in that weight class. So, I mean, and that's official. It officially happened you near know, the whole nine. Yeah. It wasn't in the gym. So it's still official it's just not recognized by the IPF whatever yeah. it'll come when, when we come around to it um culturally speaking in nigeria and in hungary is it like are people not as like extroverted when they're talking about their goals and whatnot the reason why i ask i remember i was at the world championships i forget who i was talking to but the us team had men's and women's like they had like a almost like a superhero poster of their team members. And they were all yeah. kind of like superheroes. I think I shared it on King of Lifts. And, and they were, looked like oh, yeah. in space, like Avengers. Like the Avengers, yeah. like an Avengers movie, right? And I remember I was like, man, that looks dope. Like I thought it looked so cool. And I remember showing somebody from some other part of the world, wherever we're at. Cause you're eating in like the lunch room and you're with everybody. And they were like, oh, that's such an American thing to do. And I was like, what, what does that mean? But they're just not they're just not used to that type of braggadocious, like we're here type attitude, right? And, and yeah. some places aren't, like I, in North America, Canada is a little bit like not quite as, but still we're used to, it, the culture's fairly close, like music, movies, whatever the heck, right? But in Nigeria, it, how are people like when it comes to like sportsmen? Do people get in newspapers and then get in like whatever the social media is and like, give those type of bold predictions or is it not as in your face with
1: it? I don't think it's as bold as somewhere like in the US. Uh, I think it's a bit more relaxed. Um, it's usually after the competition. So you've seen Israel at this Sanger. So he usually does his bragging after the competition. So yeah. it's kind of like that. Before the competition, you just stay calm and you wait for your time and you beat your opponent and you come out roaring in the line. So.
0: You know what, Israel will talk some shit. I actually did not even think about him when I was thinking about it. But he, he's, um, I don't know when he left Nigeria. So he's also like been all over, like he's well-traveled. So he's influenced from a lot of different places but he definitely, yeah. he will talk some shit. Like he's been in some trash talking situations. How big is Israel Adesanya in Nigeria? Oh, I think it's really
1: huge. Uh, Especially his last fight. Uh, There were like posters all around the country. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. So yeah, it's really big. It's quite popular.
0: And and how many posters have they got out of you, my man? (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. That's when you come home, you're like you you're hopping out the airport with your arms out, like, what's up? Where's everybody at? But the champ is here. <laughs> I pull 350. What is Israel pulling these days? Uh, I need to know. How how often do you go back home to Nigeria?
1: About once a year. Uh, but I haven't been back home this year because obviously COVID. So
0: Oh, yeah, I guess. And how many, you must be rounding up, if you've been in Hungary for four years, are you getting close to, like, being finished school and leaving Hungary? Oh, yeah, I just finished this year.
1: Uh, I finished early this year. Uh, and I don't know what life's going to bring around for the next years, so... Who knows Yeah, I'm going to compete next? Who knows All- which country I'm going to be
0: Oh, so you Uh, don't know. So you, so you're probably not staying in, in, uh, Hungary. I really don't know, honestly. I can't say right now. Is, uh, would you go back to, is it a possibility to go back to Nigeria and represent Nigeria?
1: Uh, that's really tough to answer because I don't think the Federation is functional in Nigeria. Mm. So. I don't think that's really an option. I've not really looked into that. So, basically, I'm just like a free agent right now. So, <laughs> I'm a free
0: agent. <laughs> You're like, who needs me, man? Sweden reaches out. Some people reach out. Listen, Caffey um, is—he broke the IPF world record actually in Sweden for for deadlifts, and yeah. he's free. So, and he's part of King of Lifts. He's probably thinking, like, yeah, stay out of Canada, though. Okay, we don't need need you here, go elsewhere. It's it's funny because some places, if you go for for powerlifting, like for instance, like Canada is pretty big, but US is obviously the biggest in terms of like a nation with powerlifting, the the stars, their national championships are massive. If you place in the top five in US Raw Nationals, most people within the powerlifting community are gonna know who you are. They probably saw you at the US Nationals, if not live, they've seen the highlights, you were talked about on podcasts, etc., right? But so so you have that in the US, which is nice. If you're coming up in the US, you get a lot of attention. Social media is huge in the US as well. Like you have <laughs> lifters far further down <clears> the <throat> rankings, but it's still a massive, relatively speaking, social media presence. However, so if you're in, so that's nice if you're in the U S but if you're in the U S and you're trying to make a world team, oh. you want to go to the world championships. <laughs> that's the flip of the coin. You got to beat Russell Orhe, you got to beat Heather Connor. You got to beat Ashton Ruska. Let's you go. got <laughs> to beat, beat Taylor Atwood. Like you, you, like you have like a murderer's road to get through where it's like, well, Frank, man, if I want to go to the world championships, I basically got to be the world champion. You know, I gotta beat, I gotta beat the best of the best. You know, not every single time, but often enough. Yeah. Flip of the coin with it, right?
1: Yeah. I, I think like right now I really need that because uh so like my competitions have just been really chill. So just walk in and uh hit what I want to hit. Uh so right now I need the competition. So I guess. The U.S. would be nice having to fight the likes of Russell, Sean, the upcoming 83s, and it would be fun to have a good competition for once.
0: Like when you were leading up to, was it the Hungarian national championships that you did that 350? Yep. Okay. So you, that is like, it gets more and more legitimate when there's national level refing, at least yeah. on that. On It wasn't just like a straight up local meet. You had national level uh, refs, And sometimes, yeah, just- sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was a national competition. And, and, and sometimes these national level refs in Europe are international level as well. And they'll be at the European Championships judging um, oftentimes because Europe, it's like you could fit Europe in the US. And so the a lot of the judging, they especially at the national level, they have that category of referee to do international because whenever the European championships, they have Eastern European, Western European, right. equipped masters, juniors. So there's are so many European championships oftentimes. So look, I'm trying to legitimize this deadlift of yours. More. <laughs> I'm doing my selling right now. Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> You're like, I feel you. I'm with you. I'm coming with you right now. But, but before this competition, So you, did you, I guess you probably didn't feel a whole heck of a lot of pressure the night before, because it's almost like a situation where you're like, if I hit this good, it's coming out party where everybody's going to know who I am finally. But if I don't hit it, nobody's expecting me to hit it. Was that the way it was or am I wrong? Or did you have some pressure where some people around you were like, man, we are expecting something from you.
1: Yeah, it was a different kind of pressure because I was basically the favorite to win. Uh, So it's if I lose anything other than first place, was basically losing. And that was just disappointing. That would have just been disappointing. So it was a different kind of pressure than trying to win. It was more like trying not to be less than first place, which is weird. Uh, But regarding the deadlift, I. I had expectat- had expectations, but I wasn't really expected to hit 350, to be honest. I was like, okay, 340 would have been good. Fine, I'm done. Or 340 or so I can just get it done with. But So I wasn't really as pressured as I would be if I was going up against someone like Russell or Sean or any of the other tough 83s. so it was a different kind of pressure but
0: mm-hmm. still it's more pressure you're putting like i know you mean when you say i was almost felt like i was lifting not to lose as opposed to lifting to win when you're that when people expect you to win and you're ahead like that it's more like you have to fumble the ball for them, I'm um, looking. Me, I'm using a football term, and you just said you don't follow American <laughs> football. You're like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> using Let me let me use a better international term, sir. Um, I'm trying to get a soccer term, but essentially, you got the lead, and everybody's waiting, and you're the heavy favorite. Everyone's waiting for you to mess up so they could take take that lead. So it's a weird, it's a different type of thing where, yeah. especially especially in terms of like getting excited and getting like amped up where you're like, I'm winning, and the pressure is just don't lose, don't mess up, as opposed to, which is, it's hard to get amped up like that, as opposed to um, people aren't necessarily counting on me to win. As a matter of fact, the outcome is completely in doubt. As a matter of fact, maybe even I'm the underdog, and I have to pull something off special. And oh my god, the last deadlift is here. Load that flipping thing up. And it's like, oh, whoa, that's when the, the movie really gets interesting, right? And you're pulling for the win. And then you're kind of the yeah. adrenaline rush you can get in those situations. It's something special where it's a little different than if you're like, man, I don't even need this third deadlift. I probably got the national title locked up. And, and here's, here's another question I got for you. You could have did 341, and that would have been the biggest deadlift we ever seen in the 83 kilo class. What was your second deadlift? Do you remember, I could pull it up, but do you remember what your second deadlift was? Oh yeah, it's it was funny. Uh, I failed my
1: first attempt with 320. Oh wow, uh, really, wow. Okay, so things didn't start off great. Yeah, uh, it was a balance issue, so I wasn't really worried. And I took that again, so 320 for the second. And I was like, okay, Let's just do this, put 350 on the bar. Why not?
0: Dude, (laughs) Dude. so you went from 320 to, you went over the world record, over the official world record, in almost 10 kilo over the unofficial world record, to 350, it just loaded up, like did you, did you, uh, did you pick that or did your handler pick 350? Oh, we were just like, uh, like we
1: already won, and let's just put three fifty. Let's just make a show.
0: <laughs> That's such a random. It's so random. It's so insane. <laughs> you know, like, like ordinarily, you would say, "All right, do half a kilo more than the current world record. Let's lock that up." But to do like, no, 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 no. Let's go 10 kilo over the world record is so like, oh, did you know what the world record was going into this? Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> it, it, did you realize you're going 10 kilo more than you needed to to break the world record? Then I, guess I, so. really. I guess so. I guess so. I knew what the world record was.
1: Yeah, but then my mindset wasn't really that way. It was more like, this is 10, Extra kilos of being dumb. (laughs) I could have just done 341, and but I was like, okay, yeah, let's just add nine kilos for the show. Because
0: everyone was expecting something, and I had to do it. So you were just like, give them, give them what they want to see. And that was that was it. Afterwards, you're probably. Oh, thank, thank God I hit that. If you did hit that, you yeah. imagine, imagine you just barely missed it. And you're like, my God, I probably could have had 10 kilo less. If that or <laughs> nine kilo, whatever. That's when you would have been like, oh my oh. God, what did I do? Yeah,
1: because I was walking up and I was like, I looked up for like a split second. I was like, oh shit, there are so many cameras in my face. <laughs> <laughs> and before I set up, I was like, if I miss this, everyone's just going to like turn off their phones and just delete the video and like, okay, we're done.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Well, at that point, you were one for one with 320. You know, you, you yeah. got one, missed one at 320. So when you yeah. jump, jump up, take a 30 kilo jump, just to a random space in the air like where does this put me uh it's it's the biggest that's for sure' it's it's, uh, it's more than we need to win it's more than we need for the world record it's it's getting a little ridiculous at this point how heavy it is it's it, and the thing is it moved well like like after that happened and you let out that like yeah like you were you know let out that ball of energy were you surprised how it moved
1: oh yeah I was. <laughs> I was definitely surprised because that was supposed to be like, that was the planned third attempt. So it was, I was expecting to move slow.
0: And it did not, sorry.
1: Yeah, I I was like, I should have done this as my second attempt. I could have (laughs) done like 800.
0: What was the heaviest single you had pulled in training leading up to this? uh, I think it was
1: a 342.5. I had missed a three fifty once before, so.
0: Oh, sir, did you post these?
1: Yeah, I posted the three fifty. That was a long. That was about September, I think. It was a mock meet, so I attempted three fifty and I missed it. So.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did you hit three fifty in the gym, though?
1: No, three forty two point point five was my best in the gym.
0: Okay. Whoa, that makes this so much more dramatic though. So going into this, you had broken, you had, you would had hit what you would need for the world record in the gym, because that would have been the world record. Okay? Yeah. But you missed 350. But in the competition, you decided not the world record. We're going 350 this this story gets crazier and crazier the more you tell it you know that this is if i was it's a good thing i wasn't there if i was your handler i'd be like there's no way in hell we're doing 350 <laughs> there's sir we're doing 340 you know, 341 or whatever that's it i can't believe the uh i mean i'm glad you did it's it's a crazy it was cra- and it moved well like it was full well within your wheelhouse so after you hit this Did you notice a bunch of new follows on you when we're were people people paying attention then? Oh, yeah. I think
1: I saw a little bump, but I guess more people paid attention and hopefully I do more. So I don't think I've done enough yet to earn the attention I need or I deserve. So definitely still have to do more. Well, what
0: was your total that day?
1: Uh that was 752.5. Okay. Uh so you- I could put it in pounds for you. Uh,
0: no, no, no. It's okay. Uh, leave it leave it in in uh in those units, sir. When it's IPF, <coughs> it's weird. When it comes to total, I know like kilo total way better. But when it comes to um individual lifts, it's harder for me for some reason, and I don't know why. But I'm way better, but when it comes to um untested lifters, in the U S they almost always pounds, pounds me. Well, you know, yeah. you listen to a podcast and I'm yeah. like, I'm a, I always have a hard time. Like, is that really good? Is that I have certain barometers, but it's tougher for me. I need kilos when it comes to totals powerlifting wise. Like even a lot of Americans in the IPF and the USAPL, they do kilos, right? Like we know like the 800 kilo mark, yada, yada. Yeah. But it's tough for people to in the untested for some reason they don't. I think it's because in the U S In the untested, um, in the U.S. it's a lot bigger, but in the global, like in the worldwide, it's different federations and it's a lot more broken up. So they don't have like a world's championships per se that they all go to. So there there is no need to use international metrics to judge each other because their, their worlds, their biggest competitions aren't the world championships. Their biggest competitions are individual championships broken up all over the place. You know what I mean? So, and they yeah. just, so you'll just, if you're in the US, you use, you're used to using pounds, you'll just keep using pounds. Exactly. Yeah, that, that is what I found. <laughs> um, so afterwards, what what is the goals now? <clears throat> then you hit 771, you pull 350, you look like you're a front runner, but Yang Su Ren, he, he's listen, 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 listen. Let's call, let's call a spade a spade. Let's call a spade a spade. I love the guy. I love the guy. But the deadlift panda, it, it, he's getting a little fluffier. He's getting a little fluffier. Bless his heart. He's getting a little fluffier. I want to see him get back down to eighty three. If you and Yangsu, if you and Yangsu read, and then let's throw in Angelino, Angelo, um, Fortino in there. If you guys ended up on the same platform for a deadlift battle, oh my God, sir. <laughs> that Listen, you better be picking your third attempts very carefully That when that happens, okay? You don't load a single kilo <laughs> more to win first off. We'll have that conversation. But oh yeah. my goodness, what are some of your future goals?
1: <sighs> so right now, definitely winning a world championship. An open world championship, not just a junior, an open world championship. Uh, so short term, I would like to get an 800 pound pool and an 800 kilo for the pool and for the total. Uh, I think that's it. And eventually pull
0: 400, so. And that's like the immediate that cool. is so first off, are you planning on going into like staying a junior and winning the junior world championships, 800 kilo pole or sorry, 800 pound pole, 800 kilo debt uh, total, and then move yeah. into the open. How, how, do, how do you foresee this? Or are you just planning to go straight into the open?
1: I think so. I was initially planning to do the open because the junior wasn't really uh, as competitive as I wanted but right now it's there are so many juniors emerging from everywhere so
0: <laughs>
1: I think I'm going to stay in the juniors for now just mm-hmm. to have some fun there because there are lots more people coming in so
0: I had uh when I posted you're coming on hold on a second let me pull this up my man, there's some people there's a, some juniors coming out of the woodwork Let me just pull this up real quick, kind sir. Um, And hopefully the world championships do happen. Now I've been talking to a couple of people within the IPF and it looks like it's going to, but uh, let me see. The calf hunter, he said, is he ready for the smoke from me and the other junior 83s? And let me see the gentleman's uh, Nathan Javeo. He's team Great Britain, junior, 83 kilo. And he's a strong kid too. I mean, and he's 20 year old. He's a strong, he's strong, man. They're coming. Like as soon as you start getting some notoriety, people are like, he's got to be ready. We're coming. And that's the type of like the sport's so competitive, right? Especially at the yeah. Um, these Some of these people come out of nowhere just like you came out of nowhere. So you you might, I mean, after this, hop online, I bet you some of these people are gonna start following you if I wanna keep an eye on them. But um, so probably juniors first is what you're thinking, hit some of these other numbers that you want and then take a look at the open. Cause you're right. It, it, it's what initially you might've thought it wouldn't be uber competitive. It gets more and more competitive by the day. Like in powerlifting six months, everything could change. Yeah. I mean, there's no sense over over overshooting. What are some of the things that you plan on doing differently? Obviously your deadlift is a monster. Obviously your deadlift is something that people got to worry about. And you will always have the winning deadlift in your hands. It doesn't matter how much you have to deadlift. If it's 830 pounds, you could probably say, load the bar and let me see what happens. And I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't bet against you. I mean, it's 50-50, you know, it's going to be 50-50. well, what are some of the things that you plan on doing to rise your total to 800 kilo even and compete in the on that level
1: uh, so right now my bench so my last competition was 315 pounds which is really poor <laughs> like they are basically guys in the gym doing that for
0: triples and they don't even wow. do power lift so it's you're like all right i'm gonna start bench pressing at home (laughs) i'm not living up to my expectations at the gym so yeah i think i still
1: have room to improve on the bench uh squats could definitely be happy with 300 on the squats so yeah definitely want to get the squat and the bench up especially the bench
0: and Listen, my friend, in terms of upping, so that, so 315 pounds is like 142 and a half kilo, I believe, around that range, right? 140, yeah. Yeah, dude, you could, you for sure, if you're capable of squatting and deadlifting as much as you are, your nervous system, like you are stronger than that. No, no question. So it's gotta be some technical work, it can go up. There's no doubt your bench press can rise. If you bring your bench up and you don't even need it up crazy amount, but if you bring your bench press up, that's your 800 kilo total right there almost. Like you should be, you you for sure, at least move it into the late 300s. For sure, you should be able to. Um, is Do you have these conversations with your coach and are you guys making plans? What is he thinking? Well, yeah, my bench has been flying
1: recently. So I'm kind of proud about it now. So change some things on the technique and hopefully hit something good next time
0: yeah and what are some of the key things on the deadlift that you think (sighs) helped you and that other people should be doing as well oh so a lot of what i learned from my deadlifts was
1: from you you uh because i think i sent him my videos a couple of times and the biggest lesson i learned from him was not squatting the deadlift Mm. which sounds weird but It's basically just keeping your hips in the proper position and trying to reduce the range of motion as much as possible Uh, and also the feet position is what i usually have issues with when i see other people's deadlifts because they seem to just think going wider just is going to be better but some people need to bring in their feet more or turn it out wider so I guess basically anyone that needs help with the deadlift, i would look at their videos just because Yu you was the one that looked at my videos when I was starting and it really helped me a lot. I mean, a lot, I guess I put on like at least 20 kilos because of his tips. So Damn. I would
0: actually <laughs> do that for anyone. <laughs> Dude, for people listening, you, you, Yang Su Ren is yeah, a deadlift panda. Founder. He's probably like, well, <laughs> fuck my life. I didn't think the kid was going to take my record. <laughs> he's probably like, well, I guess Angelino took him but still, like he's probably damn you I, I didn't think you were gonna jump up like that. However, look, if you were gonna end up deadlifting what you're deadlifting, at least he got to be a part of it as well. That's what like paying it forward is, right? No one's gonna stay yeah. on top forever, but at least he's actually paying forward, and he is a super nice guy. Like when yeah. Yang Su Ren is like one of the nicest dudes you're gonna meet. He's been on the podcast a couple times. Um, you you can't meet a nicer guy, and that is the type of dude he is. That you approach him, even if he's like, "Well, Frank, you're probably going to push the record I'm also chasing even further." But here it is, and he starts like giving you. Was this free coaching? Oh yeah, free. So it was just like Damn. just
1: advice. Or so that's why I'm like, I'll do it for anyone free. Like I would really like to do it for someone. So,
0: well, what are you going to school
1: for? Uh, I studied chemical engineering. Holy sugar!
0: So you're smart too, huh? I guess so. Uh, <laughs> you are you are shy and humble. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Well, strong, attractive, athletic, smart, uh, Life's tough. What can I say? Uh, so what? So you all you probably aren't looking into like coaching for a living or anything like that. Uh, no,
1: no. I don't see myself doing that anytime soon.
0: And would you even want to, if the doors opened up for you to do that, or is this more like a stress relief, fun, you don't want to make it a job?
1: I would be happy to help anyone. So if someone needs my advice, yeah. But I don't think I would have have the time to commit to coaching. Mm. Uh, So I don't think I would want to do that because... I'm also planning to do my master's next and that's definitely going to take some time. So I don't see coaching books for me anytime soon.
0: And in terms of, um, when you're looking at your program, you don't got to give away all your secrets or whatnot, but there's obviously going to be a correlation to, cause some people want to, I've had people ask, can you fix my squat? Can you program something for my squat? And I'm like, it doesn't work that, Cause they're like my dead and my bench are fine. I just need to, my squat to rise up. And like, can you program something for my squat? Like that's not yeah. how it works where, you know whatever you're doing for a bench and, and deadlift is exhausting resources but also adding on to and conditioning your nervous system all of it works together and your squat will move up and down. It all depends on each other, right? So yeah. your deadlift will depend on what you're doing with squat bench, etc. you know and obviously yeah. your deadlift is flown kind of a bigger picture, what does a training cycle look like for you? I guess I'm asking this because your progress has been phenomenal and what you're doing with the deadlift is unprecedented and the rate at which you have progressed has been insane for only 20. So when we think about you at 22 and and you're still gonna be a junior, it's it's insane to think about. So what exactly are we doing here? (laughs) Essentially, what does some of your training look like? What's a peep behind the curtain? Uh, so,
1: like, first of all, I'd like to address what you said about having different programming for the different lifts. Uh, there was a time I had two coaches working with me. Uh, one was working with my bench and the other was working on my squat and deadlift. And I definitely noticed what you said about not about splitting it up because it conflicts a lot. Uh, So that's why I'm like, I'm not going to program like deadlift or release a deadlift programs because I don't think a deadlift program is going to help you much, Mm -hmm. like anyone much. So that's why I think it's just getting a good coach is important and you can always meet anyone for technical advice because that's not related to your programming. And... Currently I'm lifting five days a week, Uh, benching four times, squatting twice and deadlifting twice. So pretty much standard frequency for like the 82 kg class.
0: But you work, so so you get two days off. So you have have some, like how long are these sessions? About
1: two to four hours depending on which Holy day.
0: smokes, my friend. You got a lot of workload going on, especially for a guy who, do you have a job as well as a student? Oh, right now, no. No, okay. I don't. So I guess I have the time to- Yeah, yeah you, got time to, you got time to do your damn thing, huh? Well, and, and what kind of sessions, like in terms of like the reps and sets and whatnot, what are we doing when we're in here doing your squats and dance? Oh, uh,
1: That really changes a lot. <laughs> It changes a lot. So some days I could be doing sets of fours. Some days I could be doing sets of eights. But usually more around like the mid way max. So like, let's say triples to six. So nothing crazy like sets of 10 on the deadlifts or squats because I think I've noticed for most people, so I don't do coaching, but I also I pay attention to how people train and trying to understand that. And for the deadlift, I haven't seen a lot of people progress with a lot of volume, like sets of ten or more, or even sets of eight or more. Uh, I only know a few top lifters that actually progress on that. So, uh, so personally, I would say sticking to the lower rep range and. I think for the deadlift, it's particularly important to get your technique up and for sports, things work for different people. So I really can't speak on that.
0: But, but leading into a peaking though, is it that many like rep ranges still go up to six if you're like coming into a peaking phase and you're just about to compete or does that shift up a little bit? Oh, it
1: shifts up a little bit. So obviously volume goes down a little bit. Uh, But I think over time, what I've learned was not dropping the volume too much. So not just, I've seen people, I've gone from like sets of eight, like four sets of eight to like two sets of tools. So really huge volume drops. And I think that's something I've changed my mind on and trying to keep the volume kind of high and trying to maintain it longer into your peak and yeah so volume stays a bit high but intensity goes up which means your reps have to also go down
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's it's interesting because like it's different obviously for lifter and things change even like pro weight class as well the way you you shift weights but it's one of those where so- People have gone, it's almost gone in cycles too, in terms of people's beliefs on this, but if like volume in squatting twice a week, deading twice a week, benching four times a week, so that there, you're, there's a lot of shifting of the, the competition lifts. A lot of reps being taken in, if it should stay that much, where some people are like, trim it down, you don't need as much rep and do like more like triples, doubles, lots of singles and then do a lot of accessory work after that. And if you talk to enough people, like you get surprised, like for instance, I remember Andy Wang was on here and he's talking about, he trains with John Hack and he was talking about John Hack's training and John Hack's training was like, you know, he might work up to a heavy triple and then back off and then do some assistance work. And that was his day. And I'm like, (laughs) what, that doesn't even make sense. Or, yeah, he worked up to that single that he posted, that 835-pound deadlift, and then, you know, back off and do some leg press and do some, like, what the hell are we talking about? How does that work? So it's, the more you know, the less you know, you almost can't wrap your head around it. You're like, I'm not sure what to take from all of this. But um, it is, I think the middle class lifters, both men and women, more so volume has become You know, but it's just basically Mm -hmm. workload over the course of a week is always a good thing. Do you do much assistance work? Uh, Not
1: so much, but uh, I think like not to bash other lifters but I actually do all my accessories. So I'm sure my coach is proud
0: of me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Did you say I actually do my accessories? Yeah. Yeah, man. Because that's something a lot of people do not do is skip their accessories, right? They're like, I'm done squatting them out. Yeah. So it
1: doesn't have to be much, but you have to do the like doing is more important than so quality over quantity. Right. So that's
0: the biggest thing is just consistently go in there and do it. Like, some people, like, you're right. Like, some people, if you're tired, you're like, oh, I don't know, man, it's like, look at how quickly could you rip off these accessories if you were just, almost sleepwalking through It's light, it's easy, whatever. Probably pretty quick. You could probably rip off a small accessory thing in like 10 minutes. You got 10 minutes, just do it. Just do it and get yeah. the hell out of here. But some people were like, I do this, man. If I'm like dragging my feet around, I'm like, I could turn something small to something so long I'm talking and I'm like stretching it out. And I'm like, I'm just going home. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's The hardest part is doing like the stuff that you're not amped up for. Exactly. But is there certain accessories that you think actually help towards your deadlift?
1: Oof. Oh. I don't think so. No, oh, really? Do you do
0: core work much?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I recently started doing a lot of core work with my coach. So I guess that helps because I didn't do core work before starting with him. So maybe that's had some benefits
0: which was your was your volume load as heavy before you started working with him as well? Before I started with him, it was
1: a bit lower reps, so usually triples, doubles all year round. So I wasn't really I didn't really have the volume before that. And I guess that's also limited the hypertrophy I had uh, before then uh But now it's a bit more volume on the main lifts, and the accessories are not so much in terms of quantity. But I'm actually doing them. So,
0: because I yeah. I started working with like years ago, I was a Joey Flex, and that's yeah. one thing that was prominent is um, he throws volume at you, and it worked. Like it worked for me, and I was uh, like, I'm an 83 kilo lifter as well. Again, things change for everybody, so it's not like I don't know if everybody does the same thing and they are going to reap the same benefits, but in terms of like a work week, we, I would be squatting, deadlifting, benching often, man, with like big rep ranges and it reaped benefits for sure. And in terms of like accessories, there was accessories in there and there was a stuff in there for sure. But the main three competition lifts was like the bulk of it. And like, I got like, that was almost like the secret. It's almost like the secret is too basic in front of you. You can't believe it. It's true because it's too obvious. It's like squat more often, squat a lot, shift a lot of weight. You can't do that heavy for that long, lower the weight and do more of it. And in the total week, if you add up all the weight, all the kilos and poundage, it's going to be a lot. And your nervous system is going to be rocking and rolling and like do a lot of core work. It's not like it is. People almost don't even want to hear that because, like, damn, that's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, It's a lot yeah. of work.
1: Yeah, I see a lot of people, like, going going in and doing... They do, like, two sets or three sets on the bench, and they go do, like, shoulder presses, do uh shoulder flies, do front delt raises, do all the delt work. And I'm like, man, you need to do more on your
0: bench. Stay there, stay there. Keep working. Like how many sets, if you're doing, if you're like in a volume phase, how many sets of sixes would you be doing on squats and deadlifts? I feel like four sets of six
1: is pretty normal. So nothing like crazy, but well, to some people, four sets of six is crazy, but four sets of six is pretty normal for
0: me. Yeah. And do you stay within, are you doing RPE? Are you, are you doing percentage based and it gives you numbers? Oh, it's mostly RPE, so. Okay.
1: And I try to. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, oh, I try to stay within the ranges, uh, not overshooting and going for a PR every day.
0: <laughs> Which people do sometimes. Like <laughs> the amount of times you see people grinding out what would appear to be an RPE 10, and it's like, I know damn well you were prescribed RPE 10 single four weeks in a row because that's what i'm looking at
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i felt RPE sevens a couple of times when i was starting with him so
0: oh really he had to pull you back a little bit yeah so so that's that's a good coach though that's a guy who's actually paying attention some coaches are like whatever you're gonna do what you're gonna do i told you rpe8 if i ask you was that eight you're like that was eight it's like all right, fine. If you think that's eight? I'm not going to argue with you. But other coaches are like, "No, nah, man, <laughs> that was that, that wasn't. I'm not. I'm not. I can't. I can't let this stand. I believe in you. I see where you're going, and I want to make you help you get there. Help me help you. So it's good to have a coach that's actually going to call you out on some things and be like, "Hey, man, you know, stay within your rep ranges. You don't overstep too often. Your lifts all look pretty smooth." Yeah, I think like
1: since the beginning of the year, yeah. Initially, it was always really tough, but I guess I've matured, so.
0: And that's going to help you in terms of your progress as well. Like, has that been one of the key things as well is that you're like not overreaching constantly so your body keeps recuperating in time to come back and work, shift some more weights? Because the last year has been been one of your best years.
1: Yeah, I think I've become smarter, like, initially i okay so like for example last year before my last competition i had my opposition i was always following him on instagram and we basically had the same squat day uh but i was squatting in the evening and he was squatting in the morning so i would see what he does so i'm like okay he did like a five by five with like 195 i like i'm supposed to do like let's say a four set of four and I'm
0: like, okay, I'm using 200 for that. Oh no, and uh, what are you doing? You're t- that, is, that is like everything you're not supposed to do. You have no idea. There's no context to what he's doing. You're like, okay, sir. Okay, I see what you're doing. Uh, I'll see you 195 for five and I'll raise you. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, but I think I've become like a bit smarter since then
0: so especially especially if your competition knew you were doing that they could easily throw you for a loop and just right (laughs) they could show footage from like god knows when just to get you doing all types of funky stuff (laughs) yeah it's crazy yeah but you ended up so now you're i guess we have to wait and see like are you currently qualified for the for the national team for Hungary, what's the situation there? If the Worlds does happen in September like they think it's going to be, do you you still have to re-qualify with another nationals or how does that work on your end of things?
1: I'm not sure about re-qualifying, but uh, I think it also depends on when the Worlds is going to be, but regarding re-qualifying, I'm not really worried about that, so (laughs)
0: Cause you're pretty sure are you, are you planning on doing any other international competitions before that, like a European championship? If one comes uh-huh. up, if they have something like that around and you can make that record official. Um, I don't know what's out there. I don't know what's scheduled. Like there are different European championships. There's Eastern mm-hmm. Europe, Western Europe, and I believe mm-hmm. those are international and you could set world records. Have you thought about looking into anything like that? Or are you just going to wait do domestic Hungarian Championships and then go to Worlds?
1: Uh, So I know the main European Worlds is usually in December. So that's after Worlds, definitely. Uh, Maybe the University World Championship because I think I still qualify for that because I graduated this year. So that's
0: a possibility. Uh, and when would that be? Do you know? Is that scheduled right now, tentatively, anyways? Yeah, I think it's scheduled for July.
1: It's usually a month after the Worlds in June. Okay. So, but I think the Worlds is scheduled for October next year.
0: Right, yeah. man. So, who knows? It's all wonky. It's hard yeah. to plan right now.
1: Yeah, well, it would definitely be good to maybe get an international competition in before stepping on the big stage, because I would be lying if I, say, if I said I'm not nervous, but
0: Well, yeah. in terms of, um, you know, steps, like the natural progression here, you are, ju- it's a huge step up from what you'd be used to for sure. You don't want to be like, but the at the very least in terms of competitions, as long as you're squatting to standard and you have a good nice pause on your bench and you're familiar with all the, the rules and whatnot, you should be okay. Cause you know where you stand in terms of what you're capable of doing. And in terms of having one weapon, the deadlift is probably the one that the judges don't impact nearly as much as like the squats, where they're judging your depth. In terms of the pause on bench, if somebody's doing long pauses that day, it can murder your back. Where you're like, oh my God, that pause. (laughs) But when it comes to deadlift, it's more or less sit back and just watch. You're not calling depth. You're not telling me to pause at my knees. You're not anything like that. So in terms of if deadlift is your biggest weapon, it is one of those, you know, it's, it's almost the equalizer. You can pull out at the very end of the competition and conceivably you will be deadlifting last. So what you will have the last say, you yeah. get to speak last. You get to decide, am I fighting for a podium? Am I fighting for the gold? What are we doing here? you get to decide at the end, which alleviates a little bit of stress when you walk into any competition knowing that. But um, I mean, I don't think there's another junior in the world who's gonna be able to, but who the flip knows, man, in terms of power lifting. Anything yeah. can happen, my friend. But I, I, I honestly, it'd be I, I can't wait to see you at the world championships turning some of these records. It's really tough that like, if you're a, a 350 kilo deadlifter and that's gonna be a junior world record, it conceivably would be a long time for anybody a junior. The poor bastards who got to come up and take that record from you. And it's a junior world record and not even the open, which it'll be the open as well, but it'll last as a junior for God knows how long, man. Like that's just ridiculous, man. That would be, so hopefully you have the opportunity to do that. Um, Is there any other plans for 2021 that you want to talk about? (sighs) Right now, though, no. social media, social media wise, are you are you played on uh, posting a whole lot more? You're a big, you're a meme master. You're a oh, dude, yeah. I take my meme, You're like a meme farm for me, sir. <laughs> I get like at least fifty percent of me my memes from your page. That's that's how I know you don't have a job right now. <laughs> And God bless. When your meme starts showing up, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck! Anna must have found a job. God damn it! Now I gotta find a new guy. Gotta find a new guy. No, I'm gonna keep them coming. No way. Uh, yeah, thank you, sir. You're doing the Lord's work. God bless. You're doing the Lord's work. Listen, I know you listen to the podcast, and a question I always ask everybody who comes on the podcast. So you know you've seen this coming. Yeah. When all is said and done, and you're an old man. God knows what country you're gonna be in, okay? Looking back at your career, how do you want to be remembered?
1: So, I'm still young right now, so this is bound to change, but I think I want to be remembered for my deadlift. Uh, I want it to be when you mention some of the greatest names. So you mentioned um, Kayla woolam you mentioned uh, Jamal, you mentioned Yang Su. Yeah, I just want to be among the list. So that would be cool. Uh, I also like staying stay in the sports for a long time because that's why I'm a really big fan of David Wicks because If I can be doing what I'm doing at 65, that would be really nice. You plan on sticking around
0: as long as possible? Definitely. Yeah. What if the strength gains drop off and you're no longer in the open? You plan on still like lifting as a master and just keep it going? As part of like a lifestyle essentially? Yeah, I
1: would like to continue lifting in some form. Uh, Maybe I'll switch spots or
0: something. I would like to try MMA. Uh, oh shit, <laughs> dude! You waited two hours to bring that one up, and you know that I'm into MMA. What's <laughs> this? Is there any kind of background with it, or is this just totally fresh? Oh, it's
1: kind of fresh. Uh, I wanted to get into boxing about two years ago. I think that was when I was still starting powerlifting. I wanted to start boxing also. Uh, so I guess I've kind of been. I Kind of enjoyed self defense, uh, so I want to like try. M- sorry, I, you go ahead, you go ahead. I would like to try MMA someday. I don't know how that's going to work with powerlifting and also being
0: older. So, here's the thing with like it's weird, man, because you know, powerlifting and MMA are both in boxing are sports that like we've seen athletes. Like if you, if you follow um, MMA, we've had athletes like 40 in their forties competing at the highest level. Like, do you know who UL Romero is? Yeah. He's, he's 43. And my man is jacked, like ripped, jacked, middleweight. Um, He was a world champion wrestler 20 years ago. And he's uh, just an absolute, well, he fought out of Sonya. He uh, fought Israel Adesanya. So yeah, for sure. you would have, For the title actually. But, um, and there's other guys like Daniel Cormier, who's, who's uh, 40, 41 years old, just fought for the heavyweight title, went the distance, like, and he had won the title, lost the title just in the last year or two. So there's there's like a precedence, like, the, and, and, and powerlifting, obviously you got guys like David Ricks, Ellis McLean's in his forties and like whatever. The list goes on in terms of powerlifting, there's tons of, you know, strength is like, never seems to drop off. So in terms of the sports you could choose, Those are the two that you could almost last for as long as injuries don't come around, you can last for damn near ever. The only thing would be with MMA, of course, is if you're getting hit in the head often. Yeah. That's the difference. If you train where you're like, we're going to do a lot of grappling, striking to the head Mm -hmm. here and there, but you just keep a handle on how much striking to the head you do when you're in training. That seems to be the biggest. You know, if you focus on other things, just skill set, as opposed to sparring, hard sparring, God knows me. The only thing would be like, for sure, being strong will help you in MMA. Um, Like if someone grapples with you and they're like, holy sugar, this guy's a lot stronger than I would have thought. This is going to be difficult to move him around. It definitely helps. On the flip side, though, MMA is not going to help powerlifting at all. (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't work on the other side it doesn't work in reverse okay having a sweet spin kick or a nice arm bar Uh-oh. is not going to help your bench press or deadlift right so yeah. it, it would be what those deals or if you want to weight lift and you go in MMA it'll help yeah like forever like it's just another notch in your corner some guys are fast some guys are strong you've got the strength Amongst. so whatever you bring that but you might at some point have to choose like your your, your deadlift might go down and you may think, like, oh, shit, I gotta think about this. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it would, dude, if you ever, have you ever thought about looking into actually like, pursuing it? Or, like, are you as far along on this as actually looking into it? Or is this just an idea? You'll see what happens down the road.
1: Oh, for the MMA, no, uh, no. Uh, I don't think I'm um, planning to push you any other sports right now. <laughs> well, I don't know if politics counts as a sport, but... <laughs> Dude. <laughs>
0: Dude, I mean, I think it does. Look at you were yeah, saying no, actually. You, you were saying actually. Well, I mean, it's hey, look at it's a conversation. <laughs> let's let's not pretend. Hey, look at look at. Um, but uh, you were saying actually how in Hungary the government was saying gyms are closed for everybody except for athletes, and um, they actually said, "Oh, you're a powerlifter." okay, you can, you can, can, you can train, which is cool, man. Cause I wouldn't have, you, that's not for sure. You know, there'll be some governments are like powerlifting. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, like what, are you, what are you trying to be funny? Get the fuck out of here, kid. <laughs> right? They're not going to take it seriously, but it's cool that they actually took it seriously and said, yes, as a powerlifter, you can train. Yeah. And you I- had to, and did you have to prove that?
1: Yes. Yeah, it's a recognized sport, yeah. So I think in most of Europe, powerlifting counts as a sport. So you don't really have to prove it per se. It's known, so not something you have to worry.
0: Was there like anybody in the gym that was like just a jack jack dude with a shaved legs and a nice tan, and you're like, hold oh, the fucking phone. What's this guy doing in here? And he's like, hey, man. Hey, bro, I'm a bodybuilder. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, get the fuck out of here (laughs) what are you training for a fitness competition buddy? that's not you get into this you're not an athlete get out of the squad rack right now okay (laughs) there's like a hierarchy all right you can come in here but you have to use the arm curls and you got to use the good girl bad girl machine and that's it okay you're not coming into the den don't let me see you touch a power bar or anything like that (laughs) that's that's where do did you see what kind of sports and athletes did you see in the gym? Did you ever see, be honest, did you see somebody in there where you're like, like, hell, this person's an athlete. How did you, who did you pay off to be in this gym?
1: (laughs) Uh, Not really, it's like, like my gym is a really commercial gym with powerlifting equipment. So it's not like an athletic sports center. So was it like empty then? If only athletes are allowed in there. It's always empty, which is kind of cool. 'Cause he gets to blast your music
0: and I get to dance. So Dude, like this is this is wild that like as a power lifter and you go into the gym and there's like no other athletes, you're like, oh my God, this is this is like the comic books for powerlifting nerds where you're like, We now rule the world. We rule the kingdom. I'm gonna walk around here in my boxers. <laughs> I can play my music, eat Cheetos, and just take my time. I'm going to be on my phone in between sets. I'll be here for four hours. I don't even got to leave. This is my place. You're like a kid in a candy store, man.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's pretty well. And do do the gyms, it'd be tough for like a gym to even stay open with just like a few select people there.
1: Oh, yeah. It's definitely tougher because... They're not really making income right now, so that sucks. Yeah. Uh, but I guess there are there are still a couple of people coming in, so uh, that keeps them fairly above water. So right mm-hmm. now, so.
0: do you, are you capable of, of training at home if you had to? Uh,
1: no, because I stay in an apartment and.
0: I'm not. I don't know
1: how like the France apartments work because I don't know. I see the French girls
0: deadlifting in their apartments, and I'm Dude, like, Yangsu rented. <laughs> oh yeah, your boy Yangsu is 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 he? I don't know what floor he's in, but he's in the apartment. Thing is, he's deadlifting and putting it down so nicely, and it's like 800 pounds.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm like. I don't think I trust myself
0: to do that. Well, you guys are shifting some major weights. And if you're the apartment like manager and you see a guy like you bringing <laughs> in like 2,000 pounds worth of weights, it's like, excuse me, sir, what the hell is happening right now? You're converting your gym into your apartment. So you really, given your situation, you really need your gym to stay open.
1: Oh, well, yeah, I know.
0: Yeah. Like if it goes in lockdown, you just straight up can't train at all. <laughs>
1: Who knows? I might start lifting in my apartment.
0: <laughs> you gotta start, yeah, flipping cars in the parking lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I gotta figure out something because I think that's really what COVID has really shown. Like you can really figure out something when you put your mind to it. So
0: oh dude, I, I seen guess. some creative stuff.
1: Yeah. So I think even if everything is shut down, I'm definitely gonna figure out something. And
0: there will be somebody who has weights. And you're like, listen. Okay, let's just listen. Listen. Wink wink. Yeah. Let's just keep this in our inner circle. All right. I meet you a few times a week. We shift some weights around together. We tell each other we, we're not we're not gonna go see anybody in between. Let's let's make something happen. <laughs> let's, listen to me. Yangsu Ren's coming back to 83s. I I don't I know you know you don't know who Angelino is, but he keeps me up at night. Okay. <laughs> Just let's work with, work with me here. But uh, yeah, man, you'll figure it out. You're right. I mean, honestly, I've seen some creative things happen. Like people were like loading drums full of water and sand. I saw a guy in a factory, he brought his weights and he was squatting off of a forklift oh, yeah. a forklift as a squat rack. And he had like crates laid down for a bench press. There, there's people who were like in a farm and they were like using farm equipment to lift and shit like that. Like, look at. If you, if you have to make it happen, you can make it happen. I've seen people doing like tractor pulls. I think like even Jasmine Penn, who's like a 72 kilo woman. And she yeah. was like doing track, hand over hand yeah. tractor pulling and shit like that. Like if you gotta make it happen, you can make it happen. You'll get the nervous system a little toasty anyways. Put it that way. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. Uh, listen, th- you've been on here for two hours, a little over two hours now. Thank you very oh. much, first off, man. Much appreciated. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, no, no worries, man. We'll have you back on as soon as when international competition comes up. We we definitely got to have you back on, and then hopefully I see you. I mean, I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. God knows what twenty twenty one is going to be, but if the World Championships happens, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're both there and and everything happens as planned. But uh, I guess we got to see. I mean, COVID is. We had a huge spike all over again. So just when we think we might be out of the woods, I think we got more cases than ever right now. Whatever. Yeah. We'll see, man, it's so far ahead in the future. But um, is there anybody that you want to thank before, before we let you go, sir? Yeah, definitely.
1: I would like to thank my coach, William Squats. Uh, I think we've mentioned him a lot during this podcast. And yeah, I don't think there are so many people that could put I think it does 110 kilos of my total in a year. So William bad. Squats, check him out. Uh, definitely my family, uh, because they've been really supportive and none of them understood it when I started. Like
0: my brother just got into powerlifting now. So <laughs> like, 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 like right now on this podcast, he's yeah. like, you know fuck it, let's go. Just yeah. Convince me. You, he's like, he's like, you have inspired me. I've he- I've heard you on this podcast. Let's go. How old's your brother? Uh, he's nineteen. And is he around? What what weight class would he be? Uh,
1: I think he's going to be like a chubby seventy four. <laughs> chubby seventy
0: four, dog. You didn't got to. You didn't have to preface that with chubby, man. <laughs> that's that's such a so he's a little chubby guy well listen, you turned it around pretty quick so who knows man he could be a jacked 105 by the end of the year <laughs> yeah he just needs it what <laughs> is he is he starting is he going to start in a new year just like you did or is he like what's his
1: oh, oh he started already so i think he's been doing it for about four months now So and
0: is he is he being are you showing him
1: yeah i'm doing his programming his technique and Trying to help him become like me, not better than me, like me.
0: Well, as long as he's just a stitch below you, you're fine. (laughs) Don't let him get too good now. Don't let him get, you know what I mean? You're still the big brother. He's only a year younger than you? Uh, About a year and a half, yeah. How do you guys get along? Uh, We survive. Uh, We have the... (laughs) Is fine. Well, we we're both. <laughs> I haven't killed him yet. That's that's the best. That's the minimum. But, but
1: we're here. <laughs> yeah, but we're really close, and that's really nice. So.
0: Yeah. What do you think it's gonna be like training your brother? Uh,
1: well, it's not easy. <laughs> like coaching is not easy, honestly. So, but I've been mean, having fun with it because. I've shown him things I didn't know. So hopefully it becomes stronger, faster than me. So,
0: Well, that's uh, it too is like you get to, I mean, it's almost like Yang Su Ren where he was helping you out. And now afterwards you're like, man, if Yang didn't help me out, I don't know if I would be at where I'm at right now. And like you pass something on. So not only like legacy wise, whatever, but also you could streamline the process and be like, look it, when I first started, I was doing this kind of stuff and I wasted some time. I say waste of time, but for you, you got so strong so quickly. I mean, I don't know how much quicker he could rise to the top, but um, you can still like, yeah, like any mistakes you made earlier, you can be like, look at here, let's just cut this out for you right now. You're gonna, you're gonna jump ahead so much quicker if you do what I'm telling you right now. The only difference is younger brothers Listening to older brothers, man. Sometimes I can get funky. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because you got to talk to them like a coach. Sometimes, like when your coach saw you RPE tending it, and he's like, "Hey, man, you know it's different <laughs> if it's your brother, right?" Yeah, I think uh,
1: I think that's why it's also good because I'm a bit more open with him, so I don't really have to hold anything back, and I just that's give it to too. him straight up. So. <laughs> You know what? Bit... Sorry, you go ahead. Oh, that's a bit good compared to dealing with other people. So,
0: Listen, your brother is a human being that you could call him an asshole over, over dinner and then go out for a beer afterwards and everything's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your sibling is an individual that you could say the worst things to and the next day you're probably okay. Yeah, it's pro-
1: both of us, and why could?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, well, there's not a whole lot of explanation needed. It kind of is what it is. That's the beauty of having a brother. On the flip side, when he's your client, I'm not really client, more like protege, because I know he's not paying you or whatever. Um, it's a little different as well, though, because it's you know he's your brother so he's probably not too like if he did if you was just a co- if you were a coach and not his brother he's probably not going to f- sass mouth you or talk back at all or whatever but if he is your brother he probably doesn't feel two ways about it either to be like what the hell is this shit <laughs> you know what i yeah. mean so it's gonna be interesting handling him is gonna are you gonna handle him at a competition as well do you think if he starts competing i would love to do that if i if it's possible yeah because
1: I also enjoy going to competitions so
0: mm, okay watch those third attempts love <laughs> <laughs> okay to be a little more conservative than you like to be for yourself <laughs> that's all I'm going to say just just watch those third attempts well listen man thank you very much for coming on the podcast much appreciated thank uh, you for having me. 100% my man um stay in touch man good good luck in training i'm going to keep reposting everyone's going to keep eyes on your deadlift i'm sure hopefully you can make this this record an official IPF record but until then you set the standard i know um angelo fortino is going to become in yangsu ren but uh, you set the standard at 350 kilo and it makes it ex- exciting but i'm glad you are with us so we'll, we'll thanks, keep sir. in contact enjoy the rest of your evening sir Justin man thanks Have a nice day. You too, buddy. Have a good one.